In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. And now back to our conversation with Beth Laurie. And so then moving on to the next one is that we need to realize our significance. Our, uh, it's, it's part of our identity in Christ, but it's also part of our purpose. And uh, John uh, 15, 15 says, I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friend for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Isn't that just beautiful mm-hmm. that like he says, you are my plan and my purpose. I've heard you, Mark, say many times that uh, Jesus didn't have a plan B. Like this this, <laughs> this work that he did to invest in the, his disciples and build the kingdom one person at a time. That was his plan A, and he didn't have a plan B. And if he had, if he did, he didn't reveal it, right? <laughs> he didn't reveal it. You know, um, go back to that for a second, though, the uh, the small group uh, concept that um, uh, anthropologist Margaret Mead said this. She said, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Wow. And it's we see it mostly in the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He put those folks together, and uh, that was his plan. That was his plan. That was his plan. Why do you think, again, and I hate to talk about different genders, but I really understand men better than I understand women, honestly, although I'm married to one, I have two beautiful daughters, but um, I still don't get them uh, a lot of the times. But if if we know this is true, if we know that Jesus came and, and launched his plan of redemption to the world through a small group, why is it that only 10% of Christian men are in a in a small group that's, that's focused on depth, maturity, and accountability? That ninety percent of men who call themselves Christian are not doing or being or involved in what Jesus modeled for us. Mm-hmm. Why? Why do you think that is? Wow, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? I think it is. I mean, there's a lot of inward work, uh, and I think that sometimes scares people. There's ch- change that scares people, but I don't know. Or they just they just don't see the personal value in meeting with a group of people weekly to discuss scriptures and life and to try to grow. Yeah. And so they think somehow that's not for me. Right. Um, I don't know. It's just perplexed. I really don't know the answer to that. I'm perplexed by it. But that's one of the things we're committed to here, isn't it? Is yeah. to not only talk about this, but keep it in the ears of our, li- our listeners each week and in the, our leaders and model it ourselves. is that this really does work. Mm-hmm. It really is what's going to bring the kingdom of God on earth. Mm-hmm. And it really is what he taught us and modeled for us to do. That's right. And it's wonderful. It is. It's such a great, once you experience it, you know it, but it's so mm-hmm. hard to, if you haven't. Maybe it's that people thinking that their life is different from others when in reality we can all relate to others with we if we let ourselves do that. Um, so one of the things I always like to ask in, in reference to the significance is I like to ask people to show me God's hands. And they always sort of, Tilt their head to the side at first, and then they realize, oh, my hands are God's hands. And then I say, show me God's feet, and they'll show me their Mm -hmm. feet. And then I'll say, show me God's mouth, and they're like, right here. Mm. And I think that that's the thing is that we have to remember is that we are His representative. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We are His representative here on this earth. And that's it's not a burden at all to carry. It's a great joy to carry it. But 
He says, uh, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the earth. We are to let our light shine. He calls us a saint even. Mm. (laughs) And so uh, he knows that our significance and our purpose is really about building up his kingdom and letting others know the wonderful life that he offers. And so he calls us into this purpose. Uh, He wants us to know that he made us for a very significant, significant and very purposeful plan and Mm -hmm. he has that for us that's incredible i think you know if you go to the grocery store and you look on the little whirly rack of books that's christian you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) have you ever seen that yeah i don't know but maybe a third of the titles are about purpose you know finding god's purpose Mm -hmm. wondering what god's purpose you know um and i think we're all looking for that nobody wants to live a purposeless life. We want to live a purposeful life. And what you're saying is, is that's really found in grace. Mm-hmm. That grace delivers that purpose to us. I don't know that we have to find it as much as we have to receive it. Amen. You said that so well, because it is our significance. That's what people want. And am I, do I matter? Do I have a reason or a purpose? And do I have any significance here on this earth? Yes, you do. <laughs> and God will tell you all of that, but you're right. It's just receiving it, yeah. not creating it. Yeah, and I, and I think it's being a disciple of Jesus. Um, um, one, I heard this quote this week that I love. It said, um, um, "Becoming a disciple is the normal way God has ordained to release the power of His gospel on your problems and on your opportunities." Mm. Isn't that good? Wow! Yeah, being a disciple, um, a disciple is the highest honor to which you can aspire. The highest honor. A disciple of Jesus Christ. A follower of Jesus Christ, a, a believer in Jesus Christ. Yeah, the highest honor. Is there an honor above that that you can aspire to? No, it is the highest one. And so, I think you find your significance when you aspire to be a disciple of Jesus. Right. I don't think you can find it any other way. Right. You really can't. And so it's 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 a beautiful thing, and that's why it's a grace. Yeah, we saw this interview. Uh, we had a guest speaker here named Greg Rosina, and. He did this. Uh, six, he showed a clip of a sixty minutes interview with Tom Brady, and Tom Brady is a quarterback of the New England Patriots. He now has six Super Bowl rings. During this interview, though, he had only acquired three. <laughs> <laughs> and they were asking the, the announcer, the commentator was asking, "What's next?" And he said, "You would think that at twenty six years old, getting three Super Bowls, that you know, I would, um, I would be satisfied." But I just feel like there's something missing. Mm. The CBS commentator asking me, said, what is that? And he said, I don't know. And kind of stopped the clip. And we're all sitting there as disciples in this conference going, we know, we know. (laughs) (laughs) We know. Of course, we couldn't get to Tom. Uh, But um, yeah, I I can't, I Mm. think that following Jesus, being a disciple, then our significance, our purpose is revealed in that. Um, And we can look for it in every other way. That's what the world's all about, isn't it? People sure looking for it in every other way. Fame, fortune, notoriety, and yet they just don't seem to find the significance. And they and they find themselves empty. And this is, to your point, it's very satisfying. It's so wonderful for our souls to be part of something so great and bigger Absolutely. than ourselves. Absolutely. So then the last cycle of grace, which I want to unpack this for a bit, is... is um, is finally the fruitfulness. It's the achievement. It's the building the God's kingdom. It's bearing fruit. 
Uh, John 7, 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, our rivers of living water will flow through them. John 14, 12 says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me and does the work I have been doing, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Like, is that even hard to imagine Mm -hmm. that we could do something greater than Jesus? Absolutely. I can't, but that's that's what he wants. Why would he say that if it wasn't true? Exactly. I mean, we're sitting here two we're sitting here in this chairs two thousand years later mm-hmm. talking about this mm-hmm. because of how amazing it was, and yet it got to us two thousand years well, later. Praise God. Because of all the people who shared Jesus in between us, in right. between him and, and now. That's well, just, because his disciples made disciples. Correct. Who made disciples. Who made, that's why we're sitting here today. That's right. And it scares me for the next generation. Right. Um, that we've got, we've got a great work. We're invited to a great work to do, and it's time to get to it. Right. There's a, there, I think that's a, one of the things we were, we were taught years ago at a conference. Uh, one of them said, if we all stop sharing the gospel today, like everybody stop talking about it in a culture that's trying to tell us to stop talking about it, yeah. in one generation, the life of Jesus Christ and Christianity would be dead. In one generation, yeah. if we all just stop talking about it. Thank, thank you, Lord, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Amen. So, that ain't going to happen. That's right. <laughs> um but uh, we we don't we don't bear fruit, but it's because of these graces. It's because of knowing, um, being accepted, having our sustenance and our purpose that we do start um, to bear fruit. And I think the risk is they call it. Uh, if you'll notice on this graph, they call it the cycle of frustration because sometimes we try to go backwards. We mm-hmm. think, okay, Jesus did all this for me. I need to do this for him. It says I need to go make disciples. So I'm going to go make disciples. But yet they haven't fully found their identity. They haven't figured out their sustenance. They haven't figured out their purpose. Uh, and so maybe they're just jumping into whatever it is that God has called them to do so fast. Mm-hmm. They find themselves incredibly frustrated. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why isn't this working? I thought that I would just make disciples who make disciples, or I would do whatever this is. I, I want to build this church. God gave me a church. I'm going to make it grow. I'm going to do this work. And it sounds like this big determination, and yet they're frustrated because oh, man, yeah. And burning happen. out and quitting. Correct. <laughs> they just give up because they're like, it didn't happen the way I want to. And it can't work backwards. Like, Well, it's because we're not doing it the way he did it. Right, he exactly. never said to go build the church. He right. said, "Upon this rock, I will build my church." That's right. He told us to go make disciples. Right. <laughs> so we're like, "No, thank you on that one. I want to build the church." Right. So on your graph here, what I like about this is if you if you start with one acceptance, it leads to two sustenance, abiding, so to speak. Three leads to to a sense of awareness of significance and purpose, and then four we begin to achieve or fruit comes from that. If you start with four, right, which is where a lot of people do achieve. Mm-hmm. I got to do all this for God. And you try to work that cycle backwards, trying to get to aware, a significance. Correct. Uh, it's just going to lead to frustration, not more grace. Right. And then the identity of who we are and the sustaining power of who we are, we never reach that because we're so frustrated that our achieving is not <laughs> creating more significance and purpose in our life. Right. Because, and ultimately, they really want to be accepted. That's really what they want. That's the goal, number one. So they start achieving to be accepted, and they find themselves incredibly frustrated because that's not the way the cycle goes. Yeah. We are already accepted. We are already loved and adored. And we have to know that because the 
the working backwards will it'll wear us out. It's sort of like we would never put a tree in a closet and say, you you need to grow, right? Because mm-hmm. there's nothing for the tree in the closet. Right, right. It needs water. It needs light. It needs to be in a place that it will allow it to bear fruit naturally. So we have to put ourselves, this goes really good with uh, your point earlier with people not getting in small groups, but we have to put ourselves in places that will grow and stretch us, that yeah. will help us to understand our identity and know where to receive our sustenance. And then that it will happen. Yeah. We have a responsibility to put ourselves in those places. But he's responsible to grow us when we do. Right. Yeah. I think of, um, a, a, sometimes this can be offensive, and I don't mean it anyway, but it's a really good image. And I think of a toddler. Um, and you have a you have a grandson, Watts. I do, Watts. <laughs> hey, he's adopted, by the way. And every time you, you mentioned adoption earlier, oh. I just looked over at my picture of him right there, and yeah. I thought... That's me. I'm adopted too. By God, right. <laughs> we're all adopted. Um, but you've you've seen a toddler, and they say, "I want to do it," you know, and they want to something that's <laughs> that's too hard for them. Like yeah. you know, they want to open the jar or something. And I want to drive. Right, I want to drive. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we just sort of let them try, right? And then they they finally give up their frustration because they can't do it. And then they want your help. And I think it's the same with us. Hmm. Like, God lets us wear ourselves out. It's so tired. You've seen the toddler, too, who's like trying to do the best to keep their eyes open. And clearly they need rest. But no, I don't want to go to bed, right? And we can be like that toddler. We can be, (laughs) no, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to do this for you, even for thinking for good. And yet we're not letting him be part of it. Yeah. Doesn't start with him. It starts with us. It doesn't. Yeah. And that that doesn't work. You know, Paul Tripp, um, he... He calls it fruit stapling. Hmm. You ever heard that term, fruit stapling? <laughs> I, think I did one time. In one of his books, I love it. Um, he says, "Imagine if it's a Saturday morning and you hear your neighbor with a step ladder and the rat- ladder's rattling, and you look out the window, and he's got a ladder up next to this f- apple tree that has not bore any apples. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's got a basket of plastic apples and a stapler, and he's up there stapling these apples to the tree." You would think, okay, then it's time to move, right? Um, yeah, and he said, yeah, some many of us do that. We, you know, if it's truly an apple tree abiding, it's going to produce apples. But since it's not, we try to help it by stapling fake fruit to it. Right. And so we try to work on the fruit of our life when we really should be working on the abiding of our life, and the fruit will come. That's right. And it's that analogy is so ridiculous that we get it, and then yet we'll go out and live and do the opposite. Right. Yeah. I'm going to try to do all this, this, you know, these yeah. things, these Fruit goals, stapling. these these activities. And I, I think of this as the same thing that where we see resistance sometimes with discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are like, I'm, I wasn't made that way. I'm not going to do that. Or that's not, that's not for me. And a lot of times it has to do with not knowing these stages, not knowing really who they are fully, mm-hmm. not knowing how much God loves them and what he says about them, not knowing where to get their sustenance, not knowing their purpose. That's where the resistance really comes from. Because I, I, I've said to a my groups before, I've said, think of the person who you love most in the world and they love you, the physical person. They'll think of that person and I'll say, okay, if this person comes to you and says, hey, I'm moving to Seattle, I'm starting this new business, 
It's awesome. And I really love you. And I want to be with you. Will you come do this business with me in Seattle? Most likely we would say yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, we love this person. And so we would go with them. And it's the same with Jesus. He invites us to be part of his work and his ministry and discipleship. And he's like, I want you to come with me. I want you to do this. And if it's here, then let's do it together here. And if it's there, let's do it together there, wherever that is. But because you love me I and because I love you, let's do this together. And that's that's where people don't know. I think there, there's a resistance. They don't really believe that God is good and that he really wants good for them, or they don't really believe that he loves them that much. Mm-hmm. They feel less than. And mm-hmm. so those things have to be overcome in our minds for us to fully live into that uh, obedience to to the Great Commission. You know what's coming to me as you're saying that is that as a disciple maker, I've got to be careful that I don't push people into leadership and achievement who don't even really understand their identity yet in Christ, mm. because they're going to be teaching <laughs> that same old achievement equals, you know, gets you to significance versus no, no, it's significance that gets you to achievement. And so it feels to me like I need to be teaching this cycle of grace to folks before they're leading. Mm-hmm. Because you get this out of order, you're just going to create Pharisees. You're going to create performance-based acceptance, and you're going to undo exactly what Jesus was trying to do. Right. And so I, I love this cycle that acceptance leads to sustenance, sustenance to awareness and significance, significance to achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very helpful. Uh, because the last thing we want to do is just to be frustrated in our disciple-making. That's right. And I've seen a lot of that. Yes. A lot of people frustrate. I don't know what to do next. This person's not coming anymore. I feel like I'm not teaching well enough. <laughs> Lots of frustration. And maybe it's because it's there's not as much grace as we need in it. Right. Grace for ourselves as well as grace for the that's, people. That's where it starts. Right. <laughs> right. In the groups. Yes. And that's that's well said, Mark, because if we if we do help the people in our groups get this, then they will just it's to your point earlier, abide. They will. They will bear the fruit. There's not the pressure to do it. Yeah. it. It comes out of that deep relationship with Him. I. I don't know one person who isn't fully in love with Jesus and has a that desire to seek Him in all things, love Him in all things. Mm-hmm. That is not really trying to build His kingdom. It, it's a natural outflow. You want to sure. make disciples. You want other people to have this life with him and to be a student of Jesus and to mm-hmm. follow him. Um, I'm thinking about John 1.14 where the description of that John had of Jesus, and he knew, he knew him well. And he decides very early in his book to summarize what he knew about Jesus as he was this guy who was full of grace and full of truth. Mm. And <laughs> I guess we can, the pendulum can go too far on us in one way. We can be so full of truth that there's very little grace. In other cases, we can be so full of grace that there's very little truth. Yet Jesus shows up and shows us how to do both. Both. And I think for me personally, that's where the, that's the tension. Mm-hmm. Is on any given day, I can lean one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I can be too gracious, or I can just be too honest. Mm-hmm. And to find that balance that He models for us, that He embodied for us, uh, man, that's my goal. That's the goal of my life. How can I be also described that way? Right. Full of grace, full of truth. Right. What a wonderful thing to aspire to. Well, Beth, how would you encourage our listeners today? Um, many of them are out there. They're just about to start this disciple-making venture we've been on and we've been talking about. There are many out there who've started it or, or discouraged. And, um, and then there are some who are just 
they just need a little shot in the arm mm-hmm. that um, they're doing fine. But how would you encourage them today? Yeah, I would love to uh, share with them um, a quote from Bernard of Clairvaux. Um, he wrote this centuries ago. He said, um, the man who is wise, therefore, will see his life more as a reservoir than as a canal. The canal simultaneously pours out what it receives. The reservoir retains the water till it is filled. Then it discharges the overflow without loss of itself. Today, there are many in the church who act like canals. The reservoirs are far too rare. You too must learn to wait for the fullness before pouring out all your gifts. Do not try to be more generous than God. And they say to us in school a lot, do not try to get ahead of God's graces. (laughs) So we serve from a place of overflow. That would be my encouragement today. Let them know these graces and let it overflow to all of those around them. Well, well said. Thank you, Beth, and thank you, Bernard of Clairvaux. <laughs> You're Beth of Atlanta, right? <laughs> Quoting him. <laughs> now, Beth, you've said a few times as we end this um, about school. Tell us where you're in school. What are you What are you studying? Um, I am at, at participating in Renovare Institute right now. It's a two-year program on spiritual formation, and I'm working on my master's in spiritual formation with Richmond Graduate University. So. Okay, and Renovare is the ministry I think Richard Foster founded. Or, mm-hmm. And Dallas or, Willard. Mm-hmm. Dallas Willard, Richard mm-hmm. Foster, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, you are a wellspring of knowledge. You are a reservoir of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for sharing with us, and stay full, uh, and keep, uh, keep discipling those women. If you're out there today, um, God bless you for listening to this. And I just pray that something said during these two sessions has been encouraging to you. You can reach out to Beth directly through the 419 Disciple Makers uh, website, 419disciplemakers.org. Uh, Beth's the one that actually administers this website and keeps all the content up there and is constantly contributing to that. And so um, you can reach out to her with questions or comments if you'd like to and give us some feedback. Hey, share this uh, podcast with somebody this week. Just send them a link, and uh, maybe they'll find encouragement in this as we all try to learn what it means to live out the Great Commission as a lifestyle. And that one day, when we get to heaven, and uh, the Lord Jesus looks us right in the eyes, we're going to be so excited. I think I'm going to just be jumping up and down like a contestant on The Price is Right, you know, Uh, (laughs) that he might say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so that's our prayer for ourselves, but it's also our prayer for you. God bless you. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.